my guest today is the founder of CEOX, an organization with a mission to elevate women into CEO and board roles. She is also a founding board member of Strengthening Central Oregon Political Action Committee and an inaugural member of the Women in STEAM group led by the Technology Association of Oregon. My guest is Luann Abrams. I'm Aiden Nepom, and this is The Changed Podcast. Thank you so much for being here on The Changed Podcast, Luann. Thank you so much for having me. When I found out about uh, CEO X, I was like, I got to get Luann on the show. Well, I appreciate that the mission resonated with you. Yeah. Um, Well, just so the listeners know what we're talking about, will you tell us a little bit about CEO X? Yeah. So CEO X elevates women into CEO roles. I mean, our mission is focused mostly on getting women CEO roles in venture-backed companies. So the earlier stage companies, we talk to a lot of women who are pretty high up at larger companies, enterprise type companies, and taking their growth and scale skills from working at these larger companies, translating it into helping the smaller startups grow and scale is is really key. And we really want to get women their first CEO role and their first board role, because women are often overlooked if they have not already accomplished something in their career. And so we really advocate for them there. And um, we talked prior to this, and you were sharing some really interesting statistics with me. There are benefits other than that it's the right thing to do to bringing women into leadership roles. It's good for companies. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh my gosh. Yes. So, so women-led companies grow faster. They generate more revenue. Uh, they use invested dollars to better effect. One statistic that I absolutely love is that they have happier employees. And, you know, what would this world be like with a lot more happier employees out there? I think it's really impactful. So I I really spend a lot of time talking to venture firms to let them know that the data is there, that having more diverse leadership, especially having women involved in their portfolio companies means a better return for them. I think that's awesome. And, um, but you haven't always done this. This isn't always what you've done. You've worn many hats, including 15 years in aerospace. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was my first life. I have a degree in aerospace engineering. And I, most of that time, I worked at a startup aircraft company. We, When I started there, we were working out of a double wide trailer. It grew that to over 600 people, exited to Cessna Aircraft. And in that role, I was the last person to sign off on our airplanes on the engineering side. I had a designation from the FAA called a DER. And basically, I was able to sign off on behalf of the FAA. And it was, uh, I did a lot of cool things, but it was an incredibly stressful job at the time. And after, after Cessna acquired us, 
they ultimately moved production to Kansas and, and Mexico as so I was not going to leave beautiful Bend, Oregon. And it was a great time for me to transition, have a little bit of time off. My oldest son was little, I don't know, maybe a year old at the time. And so being able to stay home with him a little bit and just do kind of project management side projects. Uh, is what I did for for a little while. So I'm super curious as a person with a background in engineering and finance and now leadership, how do you feel about change just in general, the, this idea, the concept, the theme of the show, as it were? <laughs> I would say that if you ask me just straight out, are you comfortable with change? I would say no. And yet, if I look at my life, it has just been really constant change. And I yeah. just kind of rolled with it and, and not worried about it. I, I do think that I, I tell myself that, you know, stability, especially when it's working at companies, stability is really a false sense that we give ourselves. There's so much that we can't control and so letting go of that is a little bit is is just what we have to do. So I guess I guess I actually do deal with change relatively well, although on like a day-to-day basis, I am a sucker for a good routine and keeping things very simple and and repetitive and calm. That's that's my MO. <laughs> uh can I ask what's your favorite routine? <laughs> uh Drinking coffee first thing in the morning and reading before bed. And have those always been habits of yours or is that something that you purposefully made part of your routine? Oh, gosh, I I would say those have been part of my life for as long as I can remember. I mean, I know I wasn't drinking coffee at age 10, but (laughs) I don't know when that started. But yeah, coffee, coffee and a good book before bed for as long as I can remember. Sounds like a great habit to keep. I I would (laughs) not advocate change just for the sake of changing. Thank you. Thank Uh, you. uh, Do you find that changes that come at you are harder to process or it's the same amount of processing for changes that come at you versus changes that you are responsible for instigating? I tend to remain very calm when there are very surprising changes afoot. You know, um, stressful situations like uh, bleeding children or, (laughs) or, or accidents or, you know, I am the person that people will see as very calm. Now on the inside, I might be completely freaking out, but I managed to exude calm and be able to be pretty deliberate in, in going through what I need to do. I've been trying out a new segment on the show uh, called, I ask a bunch of rapid fire questions and you give me short answers. Um, oh boy. I don't, I don't have a better name for the segment. Um, if you come up with one, please let me know and I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so, so I'm going to ask you questions. Okay. Just uh, whatever comes to mind as quickly as possible. That's what you'll answer. So here, okay. here we go. Rearrange the furniture or keep the furniture the same. Keep the furniture the same. One perfect sweater for the rest of your life or a new exciting sweater every day for the rest of your life, but you never get to wear the same one twice. New exciting sweater. If you had to uh, sacrifice one thing in order to get the most out of the rest of your days, what's the thing that you would be like, 
I can't, I gotta get rid of this thing. And this thing would like make my life significantly better. Is that the idea here? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my life is pretty awesome. I'm not sure I would want to sacrifice too much because I don't think my life could get that much better. Truth be told, but I mean, that's, that's kind of a beautiful answer. Okay, that's I'll stick with that then. It's also kind of a hard question to answer. Like, I, don't, I mean, some I, people if, I think could would have me, a. Yeah, I mean, if you told me like I could work exactly four hours every day and travel to Hawaii um, three or four times a year, and my kids would grow up healthy and smart and happy, if you give up sugar, I'd be like, oh, that's going to really hurt, but I would be willing to do it. <laughs> I feel like those are the promises that people make who advocate giving up sugar. I, could be I, I know, and I don't believe it. So <laughs> what's the best book that you've read in the last few months? If you're reading a good book every night, you're probably going through them at a steady clip. Well, no, I'm not because I'm so exhausted by the end of the day right now that I read for like 10 or 15 minutes oh. and, then, and then I fall asleep. Uh, I just read Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, which was so, it was a surprising book to me because it wasn't funny. I mean, there's definitely funny parts in it, but it was not, it was expecting a comedic book, but it really was impactful talking about his life growing up in South Africa and uh, very, very interesting. Highly recommend. That's awesome. Um, okay, last question. Uh, if you could listen to anyone give an interview on this show, who would you want to listen to? Oof, gee. Maybe Sally Krawcheck. Do you know, she's the founder of Elvest. And, I, and I've heard interviews from her before, but what I, and what I love about her interviews is that she talks about how she was fired. And, and actually, I think she was fired twice and she owns it. And then it just motivated her to create Elvest, which is um, a, a great organization. And, you know, she's definitely somebody I would like to um, definitely resonates with the change. Like that, there's probably no bigger change than, than getting fired. <laughs> and, it's certainly and, a rapid change, yeah. Yes, a rapid, like, and, and having to adjust to it. So uh, she would be a great guest. Have you ever been fired from anything? Just, uh, yes, I was fired from a runner position in high school um, <laughs> by my best friend's dad. Oh. And it was because we, my best friend and I got in a big fight. <laughs> so it doesn't really count. It totally counts. Oh, it, it totally total, counts. It was such teenage drama back then. It's like, not only do you lose your teenage best friend, but then you're also like, and my job is gone. Yeah, like, that's, and my I job. And it was like the sweetest <laughs> job. I was so overpaid for what I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was, oh, man. I think I, know, yeah, I huge totally bummer. think that counts. It, it completely <laughs> devastated me. Not really. <laughs> Ah, totally. I see. Here's the thing. I have memories of being a teenager and feeling like everything was a huge deal. Oh, yeah. And right. The thing is, is when I look back, I'm like, well, I think it was a huge deal given my life experience to that point. But yeah. I think it's easy as adults to look at teenage experiences and be like, kid, you don't know what back pain is yet. 
right. or whatever, or whatever the thing is. So, you know, I, you, it's good to remember that, oh yeah, this really dramatic things it happen was, and those yeah. experiences are real for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We can't it. diminish it at all. I mean, we can't, I do, but I don't think we should. <laughs> don't think but i'm also not a parenting expert um uh all right well so one of the things that i really like to do is i like to hear stories from my guests and the reason that i do this is i find that um it's super interesting to take a look at how the the fork in the road moments in our lives influence the days after the sort of shift our view of things and i'm wondering luann if you would be willing to tell us a story from your life of a moment where you experienced that things changed after that moment. Yeah, so this one is really relevant to me because of what I'm doing now, because it was what gave me the idea of CEOX. My husband and I were both investing in venture. And one of the things with venture is you tend to go to annual meetings regularly. And that's where the fund gives you an update on on what they've invested in, how the fund's performing. We'll typically bring in the CEOs of the companies they've invested in. And they also tend to announce new CEOs because what, what I was finding is that it's not uncommon for founding CEOs to be replaced through the growth cycle of these companies. And typically it's just that not all founders have growth and scale skill sets. And of course, that's what's needed if these venture funds are going to make any money off of their investments. So a few years back, I was sitting at an annual meeting and they they were talking about a women's healthcare platform, one of the portfolio companies, and that they had a new CEO and they announced the new CEO and up jumps this guy. And this, it's a women's healthcare platform for tracking your fertility and your periods. And I see this guy take the stage and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I actually turned to one of the partners who was sitting next to me. And I said that I'm like, I said, I said, are you serious right now? You couldn't find a woman to run a woman's healthcare platform. And his reply was, well, we tried. And so that was the start of like, what the heck is going on here (laughs) that this keeps happening? Because as you know, as I reflected back, I'm like, wow, I don't think I've ever seen a woman be given a CEO role. It just doesn't happen. And so that was kind of, that ultimately ended up changing my life drastically because it's why I started CEOX. I will tell you, I didn't do anything at the time. It was more like letting it fester for a while (laughs) and then trying to figure out what was going on and then trying to come up with a solution. And so the, the next big kind of change point happened to be, uh, I was really busy with, um, work. I was running a very small fund and an accelerator as well as doing some consulting work. And it was summer and the kids were home from school and I was totally maxed out. And so September rolls around. I send my kids off to school. 
my my venture stuff was winding down and all of a sudden I had time again and I was literally sitting on my couch doing a little bit of Netflix each day and it just felt so good to relax and all of a sudden I mean about two weeks of that and my brain just started kicking in like okay I need to do this CEOX thing I've I I had that space in my brain after a couple of weeks to really think about it and I'm like okay I, I'm recharged I could do this now and so that was a few weeks of just downtime and boom, I was, I guess, ready to go again. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. <laughs> um, I I can picture you there in the conference room at just this moment yeah. and turning to that person. Like the, I, my head, I immediately, I was transported there. I can see it to that moment of like, what in the name of all that is holy? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In this particular company based on women's health, would you not find a woman yes. to run that company? That's bonkers. And uh, and I will give them credit. They really did try. But the, it's just that our systems of trying are so broken because we're really just going into our networks when this happens. And if that's all you're doing, you're not going to find diverse people. You're just going to find people that look like you and think like you and act like you. And the great part of diversity is that you start bringing on people that don't think like you, that think and and bring their life experiences that are so different than your own, which means uh, creating different solutions to problems that the the same people would not have thought of. And, and that is the power of diversity. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Um, having spent time working with companies on creating a place of belonging so that they could attract diverse hires. There's also the piece of the hiring puzzle, which is how do you get past your own habits when you hire Um, your habits to reach out to people, you know, and say, Oh, I'm hiring for this thing. You know, who do you know that would be a good fit? And that person looks and sounds exactly like you. And then they're going to look for somebody who um, looks and sounds just like you. So, you know, I, it it makes a ton of sense that you you would need to reach out for a resource to help you accomplish those goals. So that's I think that's really neat. The other thing that you said that I want to come to is that you had downtime that allowed you to really percolate on this idea where you were mm-hmm. literally just relaxing. And I think that that's a really important thing to draw attention to that we have this idea that the best ideas come from like we're going to sit down and we're going to make time to brainstorm and maybe we'll call in some brainstorming. People are going to brainstorm our, our brainstorming. Uh, we're going to really storm <laughs> the brain. And I think, and what I hear in reality is from a lot of people and myself included, it's, it's in those moments when we're just doing something else that these ideas sort of show totally. up unexpectedly yep. or uh, they get fully fleshed out mm-hmm. when we're not really purposefully paying attention. I think that's a super interesting thing. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, and I try and remind myself of that because right now I'm so in the weeds and working so hard and putting so much time into growing CEOX that I find myself working all weekend long. And, you know, I have to tell myself, stop, (laughs) stop and have that downtime because you're likely to come up with some solutions that that you're not going to if you're just 
your brain is just constantly focused on getting work done. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you have any ways that you actually successfully are able to stop yourself at this moment? Do you have any of those like, here's how to get your own attention so that you can <laughs> schedule some time? I'm asking, I'm asking for a, for a me. Yes. Um, I, what I do is allow myself on the weekends in the morning only if there's anything super pressing that I know I'm going to spin on that I can work on that. And just for, just for like two hours and then I have to let it go and I have to do all the things on the weekend, you know, spend time with my family and do things around the house and call friends. That's, that's one of the things I tend to not to do with this because I talk on the, I talk on zoom so much during the week with calls that I've been missing out on just having nice conversations with my friends. And so I try to do that. Um, it, I, I'm not great. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be out here preaching like, oh, I'm so good at taking <laughs> time off. And, and it's I'm to not, notice though. I mean, I really think, I really think that taking, being honest about that is important because you're not alone. A lot of us recognize the value of downtime and recognize how important it is to really take care of ourselves. And at the same time, we get really excited about what we're doing and want to pour a bunch of energy in, but it's easy to hit that tipping point. And I'm always curious. Some people seem like they know before they tip over how to stop and other people <laughs> don't seem like they've figured it out yet. I'm always curious about it. I think it's helpful. Yeah, I, I definitely think I know when I'm getting overloaded and I have to have to stop, you know, it's when I, when I look at my calendar for the day and, and start feeling that tightness in my chest of like, Oh my God, I've got so much to do. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's when I know, okay, this weekend you've got to, to rest and refresh yourself. Yeah. I'm curious what you think would have happened if in that, in that meeting, they had announced that CEO as being a woman, where do you think your life would be in this moment? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's such a funny, I, I, I think, I think I'd probably, I, I don't think I would have started CEOX. I don't think it would have been, I would have had that realization. I don't think I would have then dug in on, on what was going on. You know, I've always been a very big advocate for women. I've worked in male dominated industries my entire career. So, you know, women's issues, gender equality issues have always been a big part, but I don't know if that moment had not happened that it would have been a big enough drive to ignite me to start a company because I, I can tell you, I didn't really want to start a company. I don't feel that's in my nature. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't look at myself as a founder. I also having worked with startups, I know how anything that can go wrong will go wrong. 
So I was not coming into this with any rose colored glasses. I was like, oh, this is going to be hard. And do I really, really want to do this? And I just fast forwarded 10 years from now. And I thought I am going to be disappointed in myself if I didn't try this right now. So, so yeah, I think I would have just kept doing what I was doing. I have had some consulting projects I've asked to be doing other and I would have probably just kept doing that, which mm-hmm. um, honestly would have been a lot less stressful. I'd be living <laughs> a life that was a little bit chiller, I think. But yeah. I don't think it would have at the end of the day, I'd be like, dang, I think maybe I, I helped somebody today. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of um in the on the improv stage where I have spent many years, um there's this thing that we tell beginning level improv students, which is uh, to follow their feet. So um, there's this thing that happens when you're watching an improv scene from the sidelines and you could jump in and you could become a player on the stage. Um, There's this thing that happens where you have a thought, why doesn't somebody do this thing? Why doesn't somebody add this piece of information? Or why doesn't somebody um, create this environment? Or this is what is needed. Why isn't somebody doing it? Mm -hmm. And that's the moment when you should move to action. Because if you're thinking, why doesn't somebody do that thing? That's because you're the one who's supposed to do it. Totally. I, for about a year, I was going around telling anybody who would listen to me about my idea and hoping somebody would steal it. And I always, I always, when I'm advising, you know, startup founders, um, in just like in a general way, when I'm talking to them and they're like, well, I don't want to tell you this idea. Like, oh my gosh, you have no idea how hard it is to execute on an idea ideas are a dime a dozen. It's, Mm -hmm. it's actually taking action and doing something to turn that idea into something that is really hard and should be, you know, celebrated, I think. I think so too. I celebrate this idea in a big way. I think that it's, uh, (laughs) I really like it. I'm biased being a woman uh, (laughs) who works with women in leadership, uh, uh, who are rising into leadership roles. you know, so I'm biased, but I think it's fantastic. Uh, so I, I'm glad that nobody stole the idea that that it's your idea that you get to take and run with it. I'm sorry, it's so much work. Um, oh, but it sounds to me like it's such rewarding work that it's not that big of a drawback. Yeah, it really is. I, I have to just remind myself of the rewards. But, I, you know, just today, I was on one of the roundtables that we host with I think there are eight or so of women and God, I would like, I'm just surrounded by greatness here. And because all of the women on there are just amazing women going and, and then they share the hurdles they're going through mm-hmm. or facing. And it's the whole group comes around to offer feedback and ideas. And I'm like, Wow. I'm actually the one that brought these together. And I don't want to take credit for anything because I have a facilitator that runs the whole program and all of these women are putting so much effort into what they bring to the table. But I have to say that if I'm having a hard day, I say, I'm the the reason that they 
all came together. Had I not started this, they wouldn't all be here. And those are the things that I really focus on uh, as I'm, you know, trudging through when some of it feels like drudgery, right? It's like, I think I am making a difference. Well, that uh, was, I did that come off as really conceited. I hope it didn't because that's no, it actually not my came intent. off as the actually it was the opposite. I feel like okay. um, there's this really interesting thing that people do where they try and sort of like pull back on saying the good things. But I personally uh -huh. think that um, if you're bringing these women together and they're able to support each other as resources, um, in addition to finding placements, uh, leading companies. Um, then that's a beautiful thing. And you should be proud of that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, as we are bringing this conversation gently to a close, yeah. uh, is there anything that you would want people to take from this conversation? Any Or any final thoughts about change or how these moments shape other moments? I would like everybody listening to think about their biases and what needs to change. And I'm going to give you an example back to our round table from today. We all have biases. Um, it's a natural way of our brain's function. But we ought, we do have reason too, and the ability to identify them and be start a practice of becoming aware of them so that we can change them. And if we, it's so important, we change a lot of that. And so today in our round table, two different women were talking about for their next career step, they want to make more money. Mm -hmm. And they were, they just said it like, I want to make more money. And both times I kind of got uncomfortable with that. And I thought, wow, that's strange that me, this huge advocate for women in leadership and absolutely women should be making the money that they deserve, had had a reaction to women just being so outward and saying, I want to make more money. Because I know for a fact I wouldn't have even given that a thought had that those words come from a man. So I, I'll just say that as be making a practice of addressing and noticing your own bias so that you can change it is is a great thing to to be doing. I think those are wonderful words of wisdom. So thank you for that. And um, I will, of course, have a link in the show notes so that if people are curious about CEO X, they can learn more. Um, but is there anything else that uh, that you would want people to reach out to you for or anything that you'd like people to know about? Yeah. Any senior leaders out there that have women in their network that they think would make great CEOs, please introduce them to me and to CEO X. We have a a lot of amazing support and resources for them. And ultimately, we want to see these women in CEO roles. Fantastic. Well, Luann, thank you so much. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I appreciate your time on the show. 
I appreciate you. Thanks for this opportunity. And I just, I enjoy talking with you. And thanks for your support of CEOX because you're going to come and have a little leadership talk with everybody. So uh, we appreciate that a lot. My pleasure. I'm excited to do that. I think it's going to be great. These days, it's not like we need a ton of reminders to check our biases. Or do we? But what exactly is the best way to go about doing that without being reminded from other people? Well, well, here's an exercise that my clients have found to be particularly helpful. And you can do this right now yourself. You're simply going to take stock of your go-to people. So what you're going to do is you're going to make a list of your top three go-to people. These are the people who you trust with important conversations. You go to them for their input, for their wisdom, their feedback on the decisions that you make. Now, once you have that list, you're going to make another list of everything that they have in common and just see what you notice. Any surprises? Are there any particular gaps? And finally, if you were to add a fourth person to your go-to people list who brings a little diversity to the conversation, who might you go to? Who do you already know that has a different set of experiences, a different set of skills? Maybe their politics are different from yours. Maybe they look different in terms of age, race, gender, ability, you name it. Who's that person? And how might you deepen that relationship so that you can add them to your go-to people list? I want to thank Luann for coming and talking to us on the show. Uh, if you want to learn more about the mission of CEOX, visit thechangepodcast.com for the show notes to this episode, where there's always links, links, and more links to things that you're curious about. Special thanks go to my family for their love, support, and patience. To all of the amazing Changed Podcast Patreon page members, who I couldn't do this without. Art of Change Skills for Life and Patreon member producer, Dr. Rick Kirshner. Thank you for listening to The Change Podcast. I'm Aidan Nepom, and I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about.